Hello and welcome to the Conservation Queens podcast. We are five girls who love the earth and have a passion for living a more eco-friendly life. We are real life zoo employees and as always, nothing that we say reflects our organizations and all thoughts and opinions are our own. Please keep in mind that we try to keep our podcast PG-13, so if you have younger listeners, you may want to review the content beforehand. Beforehand. <laughs> uh, I'm Katie. <laughs> I'm Kenzie. I'm Emily B. And I'm Emily A. And we are the Conservation Queens. Uh, So with that, let's talk about our stuff today. (laughs) Woo! As always, we should start with a shout-out. And uh, I want to shout-out one of ours. We're We're a fan of hers. So it works out great. one of our good friends uh, has a beauty company. It's called Trendy Wendy Beauty. And they sell lovely, like, like body butter and, like, all these kinds of lovely treat yourself kind of products. And when you purchase product from them, it also, part of it goes to conservation. 10% of it, I believe, right? Yes. And the art, the art on those packaging is like really cool. Oh, Abby does yes. it. Maybe Abby <laughs> to do your that, own which more, is great. Um, I got the open yeah. ocean body butter. Um, it came in like two days ago, and I love it so much. My legs feel so smooth. It's wonderful. Uh, some of my money went to sea turtle conservation, so I was pretty jazzed about it. Came with a little thing that told me all about sea turtles. And it was wonderful. We love that. And right now, you actually get to choose which conservation um, organization yes. that your proceeds go to. Or you can also choose um, an organization that supports young black women. Yes. And you can so, split it yeah. too, right? I believe. Was that an option? Question mark. Maybe. I feel like I did that. But I don't remember. Depending on what Etsy's little Yes, you can are. find this on Etsy. Well, they will see you. Anyway. We love you, Jesse. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep it up, girl. Trendy Wendy Beauty. We miss you. We <laughs> not not even a sponsored plug that I had to say. <laughs> but it could be. <laughs> True. <laughs> All right. So moving right along um, for conservation updates this week. Um, I found some interesting articles. They're going to be marine themed just because that's... <laughs> That's I feel like I, conservation you know. updates has become beluga time with Emily. Yes. <laughs> okay, but is there anything wrong with that? No. Um, so speaking of beluga whales, wow, great segue. Oh, my God. Um, and not the first time this episode, I'm sure. Know, we just love beluga whales. There's nothing wrong with that. You love beluga whales. We all too. love we beluga all. whales. If you I mean, don't we... love beluga whales. Yeah, but not as They did um, win the uh our little debate on our first episode so i still resent that <laughs> no nope, it sounds can't. like you need to go watch some beluga whales and your troubles <laughs> will melt away <laughs> What's the like you guys need to go look at more porcupines <laughs> yeah great question, thank kenzie. you for that kenzie all right so our conservation update this week um again they're whale themed obviously because that's what i love so the first thing is that this week, for the first time in recorded history, so groundbreaking here, 
Um, there was a beluga whale in San Diego, California. Yeah, I like, have so many questions. In the ocean. About it's okay. That. Climate change isn't real, though. But climate change right. isn't real. Well, so I have looked into this quite a bit because obviously I have a vested interest in beluga whales. But like someone I know personally is um, a whale watching guide out there, and um, one of the captains from one of the boats out there he knows saw this whale and got like drone footage of it. He's all by himself, this poor whale. Um, but he looks very, very healthy. Um, hmm. So, you know, huh. my thought personally, this is just my own personal musing here, is that this poor whale, I don't know if he's lost or what, but he's obviously finding food. Right. Um, I also looked up the water temperature off San Diego right now because um, belugas typically stay in water that's anywhere from like 31, 32, all the way up to like 40s, up to 50s, maybe in the summer. A bit um, chilly. Yeah, the waters off San Diego right now, like today, uh, is only like 60. So it's not that far out of his natural range, Mm. um, which is kind of Mm. interesting, I thought. So who knows why he's there? Hopefully we'll learn some more. Um, He's on vacation. He's just chilling in San Diego. So so if you're in San Diego. I mean, don't we all want to vacation in San Diego after coronavirus died when everyone wears their masks? I have a question. Um, Yes. So does this make... Uh, finding Dory accurate now. <laughs> oh my god, she's right though. I want you to know oh that I just god. had a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> For those that don't know, um, Emily ha- Emily B has a lot of bones to pick with some of the inaccuracies of Finding Nemo and Finding Dory, and she said it before. They're still her favorite like movies, but. You yeah, know. my Sometimes. brain is literally exploding right now. Yep. Um, <laughs> all right, well, well, I yeah. beautiful. <laughs> all right, so our second conservation update um, is a really cool article that I found. Um, is a scientific journal article that was published very free- or very recently um, this month. And it is the first time that dolphins have been found to use tools to get food. So we know that dolphins Ooh. are very intelligent and they do all kinds of weird foraging techniques. Um, but they have just found this group of dolphins and what they're doing is they're taking these gigantic shells. I don't know if they're conch shells or what, but they're these huge shells and they'll like scare the fish so that the fish go into the shells. Then the dolphin picks up the shell, (laughs) goes all the way to the surface and starts shaking the ever living daylights out of the shell so that the little fishies are like, holy cow, need to get out of this shell. And then they swim out (laughs) into the dolphin's mouth. Wow. Um, yeah. So this is the second time marine mammals have been found to use tools. Um, the other one would be otters using um, rocks on their little chests when they're breaking open muscles and things. So very interesting. God, and I you love know, dolphins. People I have, have so much respect yes. for them, but they also terrify me so yeah, much, and man. Yeah, people are afraid of sharks. And I'm like, I think you should be sharks more scared of dolphins. Are sharks are not nearly as neutral scary. and dolphins are a chaotic evil and this is the if I <laughs> yeah. had a thesis that I would have written in college that would have been You it. are not wrong, not even a little bit. That that's the most accurate way I've ever heard it put is that dolphins are chaotic yep. evil and true neutral. sharks are just true neutral. neutral. They absolutely are. That's Thank so you. True. Thank you. I, I'll be getting oh, that if you lickety split. <laughs> All right, any zoo news we also see friends? Yes, have some zoo news. Really cool article a little while ago about how 20 wolf cubs that were born in zoos uh, have been successfully integrated into wild packs to be raised as their own and to help diversify the gene pool. Uh, 
Yeah, this is specifically looking at North America's uh, Mexican wolf. They are critically endangered. Uh, The 2019 census counted 163 wild Mexican wolves um, in in, in 2019. Yeah, wow, that's how that works. And so obviously not very many of them in uh, in the United States. That was in the United States. So they're trying to obviously increase that population um, using multiple methods, one of them being captive breeding and then reintroduction into the wild. Uh, this has been going on since 2014 and began with just two wolf pups. And since then, 30 pups born in captivity have been taken to the wild to be fostered in dens. Whoop, whoop. And that's pretty great, if you ask me. This is done through the Mexican Wolf Interagency Field Team and done in partnership with a lot of different um, captive breeding programs in zoos and wolf centers in Missouri, New Mexico, Kansas, California, and Arizona. So... Just thought that was some really good news, and you, you'd love to hear it. We you know? love to hear it. I do love to hear it. We love it. Anything else? That's my zoo news. We have any more? I have some zoo news. So I was scrolling through Instagram, as one does, and I saw that Animal Kingdom Lodge down in Florida actually just had their second baby zebra from the Hartman's Mountain Zebra, and oh. her name is... She was actually born in May 6th, but this is, I believe, um, her first announcement to the public. And she's wow. really, really cute. So, guys, go check her out. They've been like a zebra hotspot. Right. Like, between the Animal Kingdom Lodge and then Animal Kingdom, they've had like four baby zebras this wow. year. I think that's We awesome. love zebras. They're just so stripey. Yeah. They're so stripey. <laughs> and they're brown. They are. Great, great observation. <laughs> And the adults are not stripey. No, I but... didn't say that they weren't. I just said zebras are stripey. Just yeah. like Even a tiger if you shave is stripey. their fur, they're still stripey. Yeah. True that. True that. Today on Patterns. You know what's Emily. not stripey? What? What? A beluga whale? It's not beluga stripey. whales. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you for coming to my TED Okay, talk. so what are we talking about this week that's not beluga whales? There will never be a Today. podcast where I don't mention beluga whales. That's Sorry. True. Okay, I'm done now. But our topic today it. is sort of similar to our topic from our very first episode because, you know, who doesn't like a good debate? We sure love it here on Conservation oh, Queens. Yes. So in oh, honor yeah. of 4th of July, which is, yeah, happy, happy 4th. 4th of July, everyone, if you're listening uh, when this episode comes out. It should be 4th of if July, not, right? If not, what are you doing? Happy 4th of July. Yes. <laughs> well, sorry. I just Believe realized it or not, that it was this is on not Saturday. a live podcast. I've never looked at a calendar, okay? <laughs> so, yes. Happy 4th. And for that, we're going to focus on something uh, here in the good old U.S. of A., which is our national parks. So, there are a lot of Ooh. national parks in this country. 62. There, there are 62, to be exact. And they're all pretty great. However... I've actually never been to one. Dun, dun, dun. Hey. Listen, I've been to a lot of parks, a lot of state parks, a lot of places in general out in nature. I've just never happened to have gone to a national park. So, Okay, ladies, I've got an idea. You're going to Go take me it. to the Everglades? Well, we should definitely do that. But 
I think that we need to all debate which national park Katie should visit. You got it. It's probably going to win. I don't think any of you are talking about the Everglades, but that's probably going to be what it is. Nope. Because it's close (laughs) to home. I mean, you mean you don't want to jet off to Alaska in like a week? Listen, I would love to do that as well, if that were possible. Maybe. With all of her extra time and money. your amazing debate that you're about to give you will convince me and I will blow my savings on this trip that you speak of. Yes, I'm in. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about how national parks became a thing. And for this, I believe that Kenzie is going to, as she likes to put it, pop off and tell you all about it. (laughs) Yes, indeed. History is the name of the game in this segment where we're talking about how the national park system formed in the first place. Now, as they mentioned, there's about 62 main parks with the National Park Service, but overall there's about 400 different systems that they manage, covering about 84 million acres across the continental U.S. and territories. But before that, does does anyone else just have the Parks and Rec song playing in their head? (laughs) Triumphant music. That's literally all that's been in my head. Started talking about national parks. I'm sorry. I was thinking, like, I almost, as a joke, was going to debate on Pawnee National Park. <laughs> it's I would, I would love to go that. there. Uh, continue, uh, Kenzie, please. Sorry, no, you're fine. But I just want all the listeners we... to have that in their head now, too. So you're welcome. <laughs> all right. Now, of course, the first national park that was officially made ever was actually Yellowstone, and that was formed by the Act of March 1st in the year 1872. This was actually formed even before National Park Service was officially a thing. Now, this area created a place of natural leisure for American citizens to enjoy. Um, Unfortunately, that line of American citizens was pretty restrictive. This access did not apply to the Native peoples, and in fact, it actually removed them and forbade them access uh, from this land, which used to be their home. Also, pretty sure that act did not initially extend to Americans of uh, color or Black Americans either. So while we do love our national park system, it does have to be acknowledged that some of the ways certain national parks were formed were pretty controversial. And they have some pretty dark history to them in some places. We can say we can say wrong. I yeah, think. It, can like, wrong. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it can be wrong. It can be wrong. It can be wrong. Yeah, there's there's. But at wrong. the same time. At the same time, in modern day, I am glad that we've preserved a lot of these wild places because some people, I'm not going to mention who, have decided that it's okay to just take away those protections. But get out and vote, and it's Get out and vote. Vote, vote, vote. November. I think uh, primaries are coming up in a couple states. So check out your uh, primary voting dates, friends, and make sure you're registered to vote. Whoop, whoop. But anyways, moving on. So yeah. after Yellowstone was formed, uh, next came up the Antiquities Act of 1906, brought to you by the myth, the man, the legend, Teddy Roosevelt, the rough rider, San Juan oh. Hill, and joined by preservationist John Muir. So the Antiquities Act essentially made sure that archaeological sites were protected and preserved, as well as other natural heritage sites, so that way these places could be enjoyed by generations to come. Following that, about 10 years later, actually, the Organic Act of 1916 is what officially created the actual natural National Park Service to oversee these parks and monuments. And then last but not least, 
and well, actually, technically not last, last. There are a lot of other things that came after, but we're short on time. Uh, executive order in 1933 transferred 56 more properties from military installations and the Forest Service directly to the NPS and essentially created what you see today as the NPS system. So that's just a very brief history. If you guys actually go to the National Park Service website, they're going to have a little bit more in-depth uh, preview for you. And of course, to go check out and watch some documentaries, my dudes. Or better yet, this part. All right, Katie. <laughs> well, now that right, I know Katie. the history, <laughs> let's keep going on this journey together. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right, who's up first? That's me, baby. Oh, here we go. <laughs> All right, what you got for us? So I'm talking about Yellowstone Oak. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that was beautiful. That was I want to hear Cardi B no talk joke. about that's National like Parks. actually very good and spot on. I'm like, way to go, Emily. <laughs> Thank you. Round of applause for me. <laughs> okay. Anyways, so the reason why I'm so hyped about Yellowstone is because um, two episodes ago we talked about Yellowstone. I did say that I that is on my bucket list. I really do want to go to Ooh. Yellowstone. I'm already winning. It's beautiful. <laughs> So if you haven't heard on the last two episodes um, that we talked about, basically they reintroduced wolves and it changed the entire park. Um, but what else is cool about Yellowstone other than the wolves, coyotes, elk, moose, and beavers uh, changing the entire ecosystem there? Ooh, she just did that. Oh, it's I like, did. What else, she what else did. is cool besides here's all these really cool animals that are there? And, like, completely changed it for the better. Um, but it's the world's first national park. Which is really cool. So, a world. So, even, like, there's no, there were not national parks before Yellowstone. That's anywhere. what I found online. <laughs> Hopefully, the That's website really cool. or online did not lie to me. <laughs> the internet never lies. Uh, what are you talking about? Oh, boy. <laughs> well, someone can fact check me if I'm wrong. Um, but it's mostly found in Wyoming. I think it was, like, 96% um, of Yellowstone is in Wyoming. Um, it's, there's a pinky finger in <laughs> yeah. Montana. It is cute. massive. It's 2.2 million acres, which to put that into perspective, it's larger than Delaware and Rhode Island combined. Okay. But can't you just like take a five hour walk and cross that state? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, wow. it's still a big national park. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying that like. Everyone says that Minnesota and Wisconsin are the most useless states, but I can walk across Rhode Anybody Island. Anybody who says day. Wisconsin is useless so. has, has never been one to the Wisconsin Dells and B never had cheese curds. That's all oh. I've got to say. Oh, cheese curds oh. are pretty good. Um, but anyways, back to Yellowstone. <laughs> um, it has the largest oh, yeah. concentration of mammals in the lower forty-eight states that total up to sixty-seven Ooh. species. And Abby, you guys know I love big, sexy megaphones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Abby, I got one for you, girl. 285 Uh-oh. species of <coughs> government spies, a.k.a. birds. <laughs> uh, how do you think I know so many things? They all come flocked to Abby's me. Abby's actually a government agent. Surprise. <laughs> Abby, um, Abby and yeah. the birds work for the bourgeois. Um, but aside from all of the great wildlife I just mentioned, um, you can also find geysers, hot springs, mud pots, and um, I hopefully pronounce this correctly, fumaroles. Um, does anyone yeah. know what a fumarole is? Because I'm not opening sure, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
So <laughs> I wrote down. Wait, what? WTF is a fumahole because I had to Google it. Um, it's an opening near a volcano, like Emily said. <laughs> so uh, volcano question mark? <laughs> yeah. So essentially, all of Yellowstone is an active super volcano. So oh boy. So die. we'll get into this. Uh, so you might have learned about it in school, <laughs> probably in grade school, when they talked about this massive volcano or hotspot. That if it were to fully erupt, it could spread ash across North America and actually cover the sun Sweet. in certain areas. But ice age, here we come. Just like now with the the sand, the Sahara yeah. dust cloud that's oh, been oh, yeah. yes. hazy. Yes, um, can't wait. But before I freak you all out, I have some good news. <laughs> we are not due for an eruption, and there Dang is it. no signs the volcano uh, is going to have a super eruption. So the volcano is what fuels the amazing geysers that you can find, which totaled to more than 500 geysers, which is half of the total geysers found in the entire world. Can I tell you my favorite fun fact about Old Go Faithful? Go for it. So Old Faithful, if you don't know, is the, the biggest geyser in... Yellowstone, or maybe not the biggest, but it's the most famous geyser in Yellowstone, and they say that it's super duper reliable when it's going to erupt. Fun fact is only the most reliable, and that is by plus or minus about 20 minutes. Yeah. So it's really, like, not that reliable. Well, if you're trying to see a geyser erupt, that's probably your place to go, right? (laughs) It is, but there's, like, another geyser that's only, like, a couple of miles away that is just slightly less reliable than Old Faithful. It's like plus or minus like 24 minutes or something like that. So I just think it's really that is funny interesting. that they're like, it's this one and you're like, and also the other five in the park. <laughs> True. But um, this cracks me But up. more water facts. <laughs> There's 290 waterfalls and the highest ele- or the largest high elevation lake is found in Yellowstone um, in North America. So you can't find sure a larger like high elevation lake. Hmm. Don't go chasing those waterfalls. Though. <laughs> Don't go chasing. I certainly, waterfalls. I certainly did in Australia. Those, I actually got to swim under a waterfall. Is great magic. Yeah. Some more. I've been to, I've been to like really fancy parks, but they were all in Australia. <laughs> Love it. I, I want to go to Australia one day. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, but more fun facts about water. <laughs> Um, I thought this one was kind of interesting. Yellowstone has the only undammed river in the lower 48 states. Wow. Which kind of is sad. Neat fact. But yeah. I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, And it has countless miles of available hiking trails. I think they said if you combine them all together, it's like over a thousand, which is a lot. (laughs) <laughs> um, where you can explore geysers, hot springs, canyons, which is super cool, um, alpine trees and rivers, natural bridges, which if you haven't heard of that, those things are like super cool, um, beautiful forests, mountains, you can see those too, observe wildlife, you can even go rafting, and you can mine for gems or fossils. Ooh. Ooh. That Ooh. that sounds cool. Yep. I sure do like me a good rock. <laughs> a nice rock. <laughs> or a dinosaur bone. That'd be neat have too. Have you guys seen Have you guys seen the picture of somebody who instead of making like a little like free little line yes. for books, someone yes. made one for oh rocks? God, that. That's that's the dream. <laughs> See a rock. I would definitely take all the rocks. <laughs> Cracks me up. I love I it. Love that. Emily, that's not how I it works. I would leave some too. 
You're yeah, because all the ones that were in there were pretty. <laughs> And then Emily finds like five rocks on the ground right there. She's like, perfect. She's like, this one has dirt on it, and this one also has dirt on it. You know and... what? Any rock is beautiful if it's polished. It's a rock. Uh, let me That's tell true. you, Emily. I, you got me. I, I like I like what you're selling here. <laughs> wow. So I already did. Basically, but, you know, Yellowstone you is the bomb, right? Um... Literally. <laughs> oh, oh gosh. <laughs> Oh boy, no pun intended. <laughs> Send help. Um, but one of the things that I thought was funny that I thought is a good selling point, but it's only because I like have spent most of my life in Florida, is that Yellowstone has a full four seasons. <laughs> in Florida oh. does not. <laughs> no, that's the worst part about Florida is you're like, it's summer and then summer two and then summer three and then yes. rain summer. Um, but something else that's kind of cool is that if you go to Yellowstone, you can make a longer trip out of it and visit some other popular national parks that are like literally surrounding it. Wow. My family, when we went, we went to, um, this is like 15 years ago, but we went to like Glacier and Yellowstone in one big trip. And while we were, like, I know this is, like, taken away from my park, but while we were there, we saw a moose, we saw oh. a grizzly bear, we did a horseback riding trail and saw a grizzly bear less than four wow. feet away, yeah. which was cool. And they didn't bother us because we were on horseback and the grizzly bears don't like horses, so we were able to, like, <sighs> do them really close in a natural habitat wow. without disturbing Oh, my Atlanta. It was amazing. <laughs> and then we, the best picture my family's ever gotten was when we were standing outside one of the mud pots because... For those who don't know, mud pots smell like rotten eggs. Oh. And my siblings and I were all pretty young. And there's this awesome picture of all of us covering our noses and making disgusted faces. And my dad is in the back and he just like looks over. It looks like he just farted. And it's the best picture we've ever <laughs> taken. Amazing. So I think I sold you all on Yellowstone. It's the best. It's not a hard <laughs> one, though. Oh. You think, wow. you think you've got this in the bag? Let me just lay it down for you. Oh, boy. All right, so with that, I am going to move us right along into my selection um, for which national park, Katie, that I think you should go to. And I also think you should take me with, um, because I have also <laughs> never been Why? to this park, but, you know, it just seems like it would be a good one. So tell me why. Emily. I have chosen Katmai National Park and Preserve. Um, this national park is up in Alaska. Um, it was established first as a national monument in 1918 because a volcano erupted there. Uh, so they wanted to preserve the area um, to study it for, like, the volcanic activity and how the area would regenerate, which is kind of neat. And then in 1980, it became an actual national park with the National Park Service. So that's pretty cool. Um, now, the reason that I have – I feel like I'm, like, talking to, like, my, like, minions, like I'm the mob boss – the reason I brought you all here today, the reason I've selected you, um, <laughs> the reason I have selected this park is it is the only national park in the national park system where the right time of year, you can see, you guessed it, beluga whales. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Two beluga male, whale, male <laughs> mentions <laughs> what? in this podcast. You don't have to do that. Now you can just go to San Diego. That's true. <laughs> um, so... I mentioned that there's belugas because that's the biggest selling point for me, but I realize that some other people might need a little bit more convincing. Um, I don't know why, but you know, we'll, we'll go through the other animals <laughs> that live there as well. So now Katie, again, we know you're a big fan yes. of uh, big, sexy megafauna. 
I sure am. So let me tell you, Cat Mai's got it all. They have um, snowshoe <laughs> hares. They have moose. They've got wolves, um, coyotes, beavers, lynx, wolverines, otters, you name it. They've got a ton of stuff. Um, they have a ton of marine mammals as well, including sea otters, belugas, killer whales, gray whales, um, harbor seals, sea lions. There's even caribou the right time of year. I realize they're not a marine mammal, but um, they are there sometimes. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Like Carib- tacked on at the end. Caribou, uh, <laughs> caribou remind me of that one scene in Jimmy Neutron, so I'm a fan. There you go. Um, now. Also Sven, though. True. Sven. Don't leave Tell out the best. Sven. Wait, I thought Sven was a reindeer. Yeah. I'm... <gasps> oh, oh, here's some knowledge. Oh, oh boy. All, all oh. right. Reindeer are domesticated caribou. <laughs> well, they are also better than people, but they're just domesticated caribou in North America. So in North America, caribou are the wild herds, and then reindeer wow. are the domesticated herds. I had no idea. What? Not herds. What? However, if you go over to Europe and Asia... They call all of them reindeer. Confusing. Wild. I am confusion. It, it, you know, it's something I had to explain a lot when I worked at a certain uh. zoo because we had, we had um, some reindeer because they were, we were just like, we got these from farmers because that was easier and it's the same animal. So neat. Why not? But oh, yeah. Wow. All right. So okay. you can see so reindeer is a caribou. caribou. They're caribou because they're wild. They're not reindeer because they're not domesticated. Um, but the <laughs> biggest job. draw for everyone else on this planet besides me um, would be the large population of brown bears that live in mm. Katmai National Park. Um, they have the largest um, concentration of brown bears in uh, North America, which is pretty neat. Um, so this park is actually the fourth largest park in the national park system. So yes, Yellowstone is big, but Katmai is bigger. Um, by a lot. <laughs> by a lot. Um, it's like double the size. Um, so it's larger than the state of Connecticut. So again, hmm. quite large. Um, there are 18 volcanoes. But again, you can also walk across Connecticut in like 10 hours. So Rude. Anyways. Some- <laughs> well, okay, so... I don't even have time to break that down for you. <laughs> so Katmai includes um, 18 volcanoes, some of which are active. The latest, the most recent eruption was the eruption in 1912, um, but some of them are still considered active volcanoes. They also have glaciers. This park sits right on the Pacific Ocean. There's rivers. There's just a ton of beautiful different ecosystems, which is why we get that diversity of wildlife. Um, again, I mentioned the biggest draw typically for people is the brown bear population. There's this place called Brooks Camp, which is essentially like the center of the park. That's why people go there is to go to this Brooks Camp because that's where all the bears are. It um, sits mm-hmm. right on Brooks River. Bears. And there's a huge sockeye salmon population that spawns in that area, um, which again is why the bears are there. But that draws people not only for fishing, but to watch the bears. Um, right now is actually like peak bear season. So if you go to Katmai's website on the National Park System, um, there are live video cameras. Where you can watch bears. I watched one this morning. I watched a bear catching his dinner or breakfast. It was amazing. Um, let's see. Sorry, I got distracted by the bears. I got really into it. <laughs> <laughs> it's real life brother bear. Yes. Truly, really. Um, oh. Yes. So... I mean, isn't it on the Kenai Peninsula? Uh, I believe so, yes. So it is, it so kind of sits right in it is brother like, what I would consider to be like the armpit of Alaska. 
Um, so another reason that people do come to Katmai National Park is to see the belugas. Um, I'm not the only one, apparently. Um, but beluga season is March through May, and bear season is June and September. So they do not overlap. So Katie will have to make two trips. Um, that's okay. But that's okay. Now, I'm I will say um, something a little sad about this park is that it was affected by the Exxon Valdez oil spill. Um, it killed a lot of birds in the park. Um, yeah, yeah, it's really upsetting. But um, something cool about this park is so there's there's no roads like like if you wanted to drive there today, you would not be able to. Um, You actually have to fly or take a boat. So you get like four adventures for the price of one. Um, (laughs) So honestly, I don't know what else to tell you other than there's bears and beluga whales. And really, it's all you need to know. Um, But I will say the diversity of both ecosystems and wildlife is a big draw, which um, has put this one much higher on my list than uh, I would have ever anticipated. I'm intrigued. Let's Thank go. You. Group trip. Amazing. Well, if you think that Alaska is too far away, but you still want an amazing national park experience, might I suggest Isle Royale National Park. Have you heard Where of it? Where is it? It is um, right on the border of Canada. Wait. In the middle, which is funny. Just can you let me have this on the border of Canada, in the middle of Lake Superior? Oh, it's wait. Island. Where is that? <laughs> <laughs> where? Oh my gosh! So the reason I chose this park is because it is actually the closest national park to where I went to college. I went to school in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And it, that's the closest thing to Al So literally, if you look at... Oh, it's in Michigan. States, Got it. If, it's in Michigan, technically. But, like, barely. So if you see the border um, of, like, on a map where Canada, like, cuts through Lake Superior, the border of Canada, Isle Royale is right on that border. And so you can only get there just like Katmai. You can only get there by ferry or by plane. That's it. Um... But why would you want to go to Isle Royale, Katie? I don't know why. Let me ask you this. Do you like camping? I would, yeah, I would not be opposed. Can't say I've done well, it that Michigan, many times, but the times I have uh, were fun. Quoted from beautiful National Geographic, Michigan's Isle Royale National Park is a camper's paradise. Wow. Now, Isle Royale National Park is not one island. It's actually an archipelago, which is just like a string of islands, and there are over 200 of them which I think is pretty incredible. Um, it was considered a national park or established national park in 1940 on April 3rd. Um, and the nearest city is actually not Michigan. It's Thunder Bay in Ontario. Oh, cool. So if, if you want like a literal escape, this is the place to go because there is like nothing around you. This is like true wilderness. Um, so Isle Royale, before we get into what it's the most famous for, let's just talk a little bit about like why it's so, so cool. So is there a big the sexy island. megafauna? <laughs> there is. We're going to get in. Don't worry. Okay. This is, that's actually like the main attraction. Right, cool. um, so Isle Royale is the largest island in Lake Superior. Superior. It is um, over 45 miles long and nine miles wide at its widest so point. So to be fair, you, you could, could probably walk, walk it in about 20 minutes. You could minutes. walk across it. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. You totally could. 
But yeah. what's cool about that is it means you can see the entire national park in one trip, which I think is pretty cool. Like, I love Yellowstone, but you would have to be there for, like, a month to see absolutely everything. And Isle Royale, you only have to be there for, like, a week. Hmm. So that's pretty cool. Um, there's also a bunch. Um, so the park is made up of Isle Royale itself. Um, and there's also a lot of submerged lands around and a lot of shipwrecks from shipping boats going across Lake Superior. So there's a lot to do. Um, I'm down for some haunted pirate ships. Even though I know well, that's not, not what you meant, you... but still. We can call it that. It's cool. okay. Um, <laughs> if that makes you more convinced to go, um, you can actually scuba dive to see these ships. Whoa, that's Which I kn- cool. I know that sounds crazy. Well, cool is one way to put it. I would call it freezing. Um, because, like, Superior <laughs> oh, is very mm. cold. <laughs> but you can, you can rent, like, dry suits to go see these shipwrecks that are from these giant um, boats that used to go across to help deliver coal to everywhere that's in the Great Lakes Basin, which I think is pretty awesome. Um, so, all right, Katie. Now, Katie, have you ever been to Lake Superior? I have for actually a lot of my brother's hockey tournaments, though I don't think we actually well, ever went to the lake itself. Well, first of all, it looks like an ocean, which if you've never seen a Great Lake, it it's kind wild. of startling because you would think that you could, <laughs> you can, you think you could see the other side, but you can't. And it's weird. It is literally like going but to like, the ocean. Cool. It is kind of strange. Huh. It's kind of strange. Um, and this way you can feel completely surrounded by a piece of water because Isle Royale is the largest island in Lake Superior. Me. Nice. So it's, it's really, really a beautiful park, um, a beautiful archipelago. The history is pretty cool, too. Um, a lot of the Upper Peninsula of Michigan was settled because of copper mining. Um, and this is one spot that was found. Um, and actually those copper... The copper that they found um, on Isle Royale looked like it used to be from Native American activities. They found a lot of copper artifacts, which is really, really interesting. Um, So it's from, there were indigenous people there, but it seemed like the activity from the copper mining ended in 1855. So there aren't, um, from what I can find, a ton of Native Americans living there anymore. Um, and then, it, again, it was declared National Park in uh, 1940. So, pretty cool. Now, what you might ask is the big, sexy megafauna on Isle Royale. True, I still haven't heard it. Uh, moose is one, and the other is actually wolves. I do appreciate and the reason, both of those. And the reason this is important is because it's actually one of the most studied projects ever for moose and wolf populations because they have almost a perfect predator and prey relationship. We love that. So there's a website called IsleRoyaleWolf.org and you can actually, there's a really cool um, graph that says five decades of fluctuating wolf and moose populations and it shows it from 1959 all the way to 2009 and you can literally see how the populations fluctuate with each other. Like it's incredible. I do greatly appreciate a good research project and it's an, an ongoing, ongoing research yes, project that, that i very much appreciate a lot yeah so this project started in 1958 um and then uh it kept go it's kept going to this day so it's actually like a single project that's kept going which i think is also something pretty special um amazing we love science <laughs> so we love science um and here's the best part do you guys ever wonder how 
moose and wolves got to the middle of a giant island you know in the middle I of a yeah does that seem weird to you can swim right yes well yeah but this is yes, like and they... this is 73 miles north of the of houghton oh, 73 miles a long ways. did it's they a long did ways. they bring so them how... there they did not did they get a boat because oh they was there a land bridge boat. that disappeared there is not well kind of not a land bridge, oh. but what the oh. is Lake Superior freezes. Oh, duh. <laughs> yeah, so what so science. what happens um, is every is science is great. So every winter, Lake Superior, um, especially in the last couple of years, has been freezing over almost hundred percent. And they believe that um, the moose in Isle Royale, uh, once upon a time, actually walked across Lake Superior to get um, they think of the early 1900s, so not even that long ago, which is why this study is super cool, is because it, 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 ha- it started pretty recently after the, wolf, the moose and the wolf got there because they walked across the ice to get there. Wow. Neat. Doesn't that just, like, blow your mind? I mean, mind? I was a little confused when you were like, there's moose and they're on an island. But ice, that makes yeah. so much sense. Well, it, it is. They <laughs> do swim, though. and They do. They're... But that's like a long way. Yeah, I just that always freaks me out. Not freaks me out, but uh, blows my mind because like a predator of a moose in I forget what area. I think it's off British Columbia, maybe question mark. Uh, that killer whales yes. eat moose yes. sometimes, and it's like I'm sorry, yeah. what? <laughs> and that's how I learned about moose swimming and just a lot of different things when I found that out. But yeah. In 2014, they actually had a really sharp decline in the wolf population. Um, They've had some issues with it in the last, you know, decade or so. Um, And so in 2019, they reintroduced some wolves back onto Isle Royale because the wolf population was actually getting out of control. Um, There are more than 2,000 individuals currently on Isle Royale. That's a lot of mooses. Mises? Mooses? Mises, mooses, whatever they are, there's a lot of them. So what's really, really cool is that you are almost guaranteed to see a moose if you go onto Isle Royale, and you might even be able to see some predator and predator It is a dream of mine happening to live. see a moose, because I've never seen a moose I have never in seen my moose life. Either. Well, Isle Royale is the place you to You can see moose and cat. Now, full too. disclosure. Uh, no, yes. You can also see moose in Yellowstone. Yeah, but... <laughs> you... <laughs> okay, but here is the deal. You might see a moose in Yellowstone. You might see a moose in Katmai, but if you go to Isle Royale, you're like guaranteed to see a moose, and they actually have to give you some safety briefings if you go. If you go into the, like the ranger station, they'll like have posters about like here's what you don't do around moose because moose are dangerous. They're very large. Also, PSA for everyone watching this, which you should know, but maybe you don't. Please don't approach wildlife. No, parks. no, it's not safe. Please don't do you that. Know- I was actually just like looking up pictures of all of your national parks while you're talking about it, and photos came up of people jumping in the water with grizzly bears at national parks. No, seems like a bad idea. Maybe not. Yeah, they didn't survive, so don't do it. (laughs) Well, Katie, I hope that you will accompany me to Isle Royale because then after that we can go to Mackinac Island on the other side of the Upper Peninsula of Michigan and get some fudge. I like fudge. So fudge is good. Kenzie, I don't know how you're going to top my, my beautiful I bet island. She can. I bet she's got it in but it. You, you can, I, 
If there's bats, it's going to be fine. <laughs> but go ahead, Kenzie. You try. All right. So I want to do things a little differently. So uh, Katie and, and y'all are welcome to join in. I want you guys to close your eyes. Closed. Oh, Use some imagery. I'm ready. All right. So your eyes are this perfect podcast material. All right. So imagine you are standing in the middle of an old growth forest. You can smell the sweet cucumber-like smell of the rhododendron blossoming. There's a creek flowing nearby. The wind is rustling through the leaves. And you decide to walk up the path a little bit. The path starts to steepen. And then all of a sudden, there's a break through the trees. You look out between the trees, and there's just a sea of rolling blue hills everywhere you look. Ladies and gentlemen. Pawnee National Park. No. Where are you, Kenzie? Because I want to go there. We are in Great Smoky Mountains National Park, which, according Woo! to the National Park, yes, has the largest degree of biodiversity within all of the park systems on the Ooh, continent. Wow. Okay, that's, that's really cool. an impressive yeah. fact. I was mm-hmm. say, Isle Royale has like a zero. They have moose and wolves. Like, lots of <laughs> well, and like and like birds. Birds and birds. Birds. <laughs> Well, here in the Great Smokies National Park, uh, there may not be moose, but we do have bears, the famous black bears. And I would say seven out of ten times that I would go to Great Smoky Mountain National Park, I'd probably see a bear somewhere around there, especially during springtime when the cubs are out and about. No, I would and do you approach those bears ken no god for for the love of all that is still good and holy for any of you folks listening out there if you see a bear or an elk or really just any type of wildlife out and about do not get out of your car do not approach it always keep at least 50 to 100 meters between you and the animal because let me tell you being on the business side of an elk or angry mama bear is no joke oh Oh, no joke right now I don't know if you guys have seen on TikTok, but there's like a fad on TikTok right now where people are posting like, look at me next to this black bear and it's cold. Oh, no. Stop. Stop that. Okay. Yeah. You want to know the real, know the real tea right now? Yeah. So there is this bear that has been walking its way down from Wisconsin through Illinois and Iowa and is currently in Missouri. And they think he's making his way to a state <gasps> park down there. Um, but yes, really? and it's been all over my local news that's on Facebook, like my hometown in Illinois. And they literally had to send like cops out to tell people to disperse because there were like hundreds and hundreds of people who came out to just like gawk See at this bear. bear that yeah. is trying to mind his own darn business. Trying to find <laughs> a nice, lovely mate. Yeah. And some He's just trying to help you stop yeah, wildfires. And, oh my gosh, the pictures are just like horrifying for me because the people are like maybe twenty feet away, and I'm like, uh, and, and these are people with like kids on their shoulders, and just like, just what world do you think this is okay? Like, yes, I get it. A bear through a cornfield is kind of strange, but maybe we should give them just a little bit more space. Yeah, there are these really cool things that were invented called binoculars. <laughs> That is true. Never yes. heard of them. And they they actually make things look closer than they Sounds are. fake to me. And so you can stay a safe distance and still see an animal look pretty close. No way. Well, I have no <laughs> idea that existed. 
general rule of thumb, if you are close enough to an animal to change its behavior, you are too close. Yes. My rule of thumb is if it's bigger than your thumb. That is true. If you can hold your thumb up and then (laughs) a literal rule of thumb. Bigger, you need to back up. So a bumblebee on my thumb is okay. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Always okay. Yeah. Ten out of ten would recommend. (laughs) I was talking about big sexy megafauna, not whatever you were talking about. (laughs) All right. Besides bears, Kenzie, what else you got? Thank you. Yes, so we're going to travel on back here to Great Smoky National Park. Well, you will love this. If you like these, there's plenty of stuff for them to pollinate. Because <gasps> in the Great Smokies National Park, there's over 1,500 species of documented plants all up and down the range. I love these so much. You will love this. <laughs> now, what I really love about the Smokies is, again, I mentioned that biodiversity. But part of the reason why there's so much biodiversity is, can you guess? Um bat no abby though yes there are bats there's lots of bats really nice why is there so much is it the weather well part of it is the weather yes there we go yes it's the mountains oh duh (laughs) yes so it's actually the elevation so at different elevations you have these temperate uh or temperate you have these different climates so everything from a rainforest actually because it does meet the requirements for rainfall that um rainforest uh, our, our, can I restart that? Hold on. Blah, 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 blah. Yes, yeah, so it's the elevation. That's what gives it all the different climates and biomes within the Great Smokies National Park. You actually have rainforests, you have temperate forests, you have not quite, but almost a tundra-like atmosphere, especially once you get up towards the peaks of the mountains. Now, another... Is it like a taiga? Taiga, there we go. That's better. There's something similar to that. I did not do well in dendrology, folks, so I'm probably putting shame on my all, all, alma mater school. I'm sorry to the forestry professors there, but it's fine. <laughs> so, yeah, that's really cool. And what's great about the Smoky National Park is because it's so large, you have a whole variety of activities to choose from. You can take day hikes to hikes that last several days. You can just take a drive through the mountains. And not only is there a lot of natural uh, biodiversity, but there's also a lot of history there too. Uh, not only just from colonial times and old good Appalachian culture, but also if you take a trip over to the North Carolina side, that's where you can encounter the Eastern band of the Cherokees. And they actually have some really neat um, living history places set up where you can go and learn about the culture and more of the indigenous history of that region there, which I think is pretty awesome. Wow. Amazing. Wait, so can I tell you why I thought mountains for biodiversity? Yes, go for it. Because grapes for wine grow well in acclimating climates (laughs) like mountains. (laughs) (laughs) It all goes back to water science. (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh, Another thing that I think is really cool, and I was actually able to experience this while I was helping do research out in the Smokies for bats, surprise, surprise, um, is that every summer they have these synchronized firefly displays. Oh, and stop. So, yeah. Yeah. So I believe I remember correctly, May through about June, so late spring, early summer, you can actually book these tours where they take you up into the mountains past dark and you just sit there and all of a sudden, you're in this Wait. pitch black. 
Right? I'm, I'm Old just and light. wait because I'm like going to cry because it sounds so beautiful. <laughs> oh. Wait, so awesome. did you guys know that fireflies, like depending on the species, they emit like a different color? I did not know I didn't that. know so it until I went to Costa emit. Rica and the fireflies there emit blue light instead of like what? an orangey red. They also, depending on the species, will um, flash different patterns in order to attract their species to them. I did know that. Wow. Which is really neat. So anyone who's trying to attract someone else, just get a light bulb and a (laughs) flicker flicker. Sorry. The only thing that's been going through my mind this entire time that we've been talking about. 10 million fireflies. Yes. Well, (laughs) and also. I I just have to mention Get that out. I call them lightning bugs because I am a Midwestern mm. trash. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, me too. But, like, that's not the weirdest one, though. I still think Minnesota holds the record for things that are words that shouldn't be. But that's that's always been something I've missed a lot since moving here to Florida is actually fireflies. There's some in my neighborhood. Are you serious? 100%. I've never seen I saw a them lightning and I freaked bug out. Wow. I've them, like, never seen them. weeks ago. Like I literally saw three of them. You've never and seen I them. Flipped out. Wow. Okay. So wait, like ever? No. Emily? Well, I saw them in Costa Rica. That's the only time I've ever seen them. Okay. So what I'm hearing oh, is, what I'm hearing is, we all need to go take a trip up to Great Smoky Na- Mountain National Park and go see the fireflies next year for Emily. I mean, yep. Honestly, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, then I'll get to see uh, some fireflies that flash orange instead of blue. <laughs> That's so crazy. <laughs> I'm like Googling this. I right tried now. Googling uh, pictures of like the blue light on fireflies in uh, Osa Peninsula in Costa Rica, and I don't see anything about it. It's very strange. I'm seeing a lot of bioluminescent algae, and it says fireflies of the sea, and I'm like, that's not yeah. what I'm looking for. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, back to the Great Smoky Mountains. <laughs> but yeah, so the Great Smoky Mountains National Park is an amazing place. It's actually one of the more visited, if not the most visited parks, because it is fairly accessible and it's surrounded by more populated areas, but it holds a very special place in my heart, obviously, because it was where I volunteered for a lot of studies. It was pretty much like my playground. Um, It was less than an hour's drive from my school. So I would like to go up there on the weekends. And when family came to visit, we would take drives through there, especially around the Cates Cove area. And I have a lot of personal family history rooted in that area as well. But it's a beautiful, beautiful land. And I actually really do miss it at times. And yeah, so I would definitely recommend go visiting there at least once. And just like some of the other bigger national parks, it would probably take you a couple of days to really fit in all the highlights, but it's pretty amazing. So go to Isle Royale because no one else does. A great okay, yeah, I hope we've convinced you. Did, you. did we pick one? Did you pick one? Did you? Um, I mean, God, the fireflies feel like they're selling me here. I just oh. really miss them. I'm sure there's some fireflies in Yellowstone too, okay? <laughs> yes, you're probably Moose. right. But Moose. I think between the biodiversity True. Great Smoky Mountains that appealing, the fireflies, and I sure do love bees, so all those plants, gotta love that too. But... But IRL only gets fifteen thousand visitors a year. They want to be <laughs> okay, and I will love to go there too. And I'm just you saying, know, I I just feel like the fireflies sold me. Yellowstone always gets me. 
It's got a lot of big, sexy megafauna. Yes, and (laughs) I love that. Concentration of them. I would also really love to see a wild beluga or killer whale too. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, the one in uh, Alaska also appeals. So, yeah. Okay, so what you're saying is you want to visit all of them and we have to take a massive, massive trip to go to yes. all of them. What I'm Amazing. saying is it's actually my dream to do a road trip. I know I can't get to all these places by car, but a road trip and do as many national parks as I can in one vacation. Let's do deal. it. All right. That sounds yeah. good. I agree. <laughs> well, you know, since uh, Katie is having trouble deciding, uh, maybe our listeners out there can tell us which one they like the best. Yeah, or if you've been to or, a different national park, or I can name you a lot of state parks that are really great, <laughs> um, too, then please tell us, tell us if you can walk across the entire thing in 10 hours. <laughs> how, many, how many hours? <laughs> but uh, going kind of into our conservation con- conversation, that's always so hard to say, <laughs> conservation conversation, but, it's so, it's but so yes, clever, it does though. work really well. Uh, we invite you guys to tell us more about your favorite national or state parks or anywhere in nature you've been. It doesn't have to be a national or state park, but, uh, so see what's close to your house. Maybe go visit, especially if you like now is a good time to, uh, get outside and explore some of those more natural places, um, as far as being it's safe so, and, um, responsible it's so goes. so easy to social distance. Yeah. Uh, Soak in that wildlife and stay on the trails. Oh my God, y'all. They're there for a reason. The trails are there for you to walk on and not to walk off of them. Even if you see something in the distance that looks really cool. Get your binoculars. Binoculars. Get your binoculars. (laughs) Well, not only only is it dangerous. It's not only dangerous if you leave the trail, but it's dangerous for the environment. Um, yes. Most of the national parks are part of Leave No Trace or uh, implement Leave No Trace policies. And one of Leave No Trace's big big policies is stay on the path because that way you are creating much less disturbance by following the path to other two. Yes. I mean, we talked a lot about invasive species a couple episodes back and um, part that can be spread um, – just by what's stuck to your hiking boots or your sneakers, whatever you're wearing. Um, and the more you go off the trail, the more you're collecting on your boots, the more you're taking, like, you know, spreading in those other areas. So that's part of the reason, too, is just stay on the dang path, man. Take only pictures, leave only footprints. That's what you got to remember. Yes. yes, yes, yes. And footprints should be on the trail. Yes. And leave only footprints is also because... Um, even if you see a cool, like, maybe I'll give you an exception for a cool rock that you see, but like, you know, don't pick up the plants or turn over, I don't know, it could be a possible animal habitat. You don't know what you're mess. you know, what you might be disturbing shells on a beach, same kind of thing, um, where oftentimes it's reintegrated into the ecosystem and is needed. So leave it. Rocks are pretty cool, but, um. You gotta leave the rock where you found it. You can go to your local rock lending library. Yeah. <laughs> but then you need to Get bring a there. rock with you. Every time but not from Every time park. we talk about rocks, I think about the SpongeBob quote where he goes, It's Is just a, a stupid boulder. No. It's not just a boulder. 
It's a rock. It's a rock. <laughs> and you know what? SpongeBob was right. Rocks are so important, especially big boulders, because you just you want to ride. Pioneer- them like I was gonna say the pioneers were these big miles. We are going off a lot. We sure are. So anyway, about a another thing you can do if you do visit a national park is become a junior ranger. You don't have to be a Yay! kid to do junior ranger program. They're really fun. It helps you learn more about the environment you're hiking in, the animals, the plants around you. And it's just fun to learn new things and get a little badge at the end that says, yeah, I am a junior ranger. And I and that's what you can crushed take. it um, by leaving no trace on this trail it says those exact words it says i'm a junior ranger and i crushed it (laughs) in bold have any of you guys ever gotten a junior ranger or done it no no but i have a really i have a really fun picture of me at everglades national park where i found the largest junior ranger vest and i put it on because i really want to be a junior (laughs) ranger oh i love it this is this is from like three years ago (laughs) well we'll road trip to the everglades and do that because i really want to be a junior ranger too I think that we should all be Everglades Junior Rangers as well. Yes, we're going to do that. But uh, aside from national parks and state parks, just go to any park in general. Anywhere you can be in nature is a great time. Like we said, especially right now, good, good, responsible way to be out there, hang out with friends at a six-foot distance, and enjoy what's in your own backyard. I find that when I go hiking, I really enjoy uh, using apps like iNaturalist. Uh, if anyone else has yeah. ever used it, yes. it basically helps you identify plants and animals uh, around you. You take a picture of it and you upload it to the app and it helps you figure out what it is. And that has definitely helped me become a better, uh, become better at identifying different plants and animals that live in my own hometown where, I, where I'm from, which makes me feel really and- cool. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and the National Park actually has an app, too, that's called Pocket Ooh. Ranger. And it actually lets you find a park close to you, um, and it lets you explore other parks as well, and it has activities on the app. So if you can't go to a national park or you don't feel safe going out yet, that's okay. There's other options as well. So once again, happy 4th of July, everyone. We're hoping everyone's staying safe and responsible and wearing your masks. And while you're at it, you should also follow us on social media at Conservation Queens Podcast on Instagram. And you can also find the Conservation Queens Podcast on Facebook. And let us know what what you want to hear next. And thank you so much for joining us this week. Now go out there and stay sustainable. Bye. 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 Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> <precious>. oh, 100%. <laughs>